0: Welcome to our Victory Outreach Chino podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. There's been such an anointed worship. And what happens is the Holy Spirit tills the soil of our heart. So that we receive the word with meekness. And I have a word of wisdom. This is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. And it's for somebody. It's it's a word of wisdom. It's God's wisdom. It comes. It either establishes something, confirms something, or gives direction. But there is someone right now, here or watching, that is ready to throw in the towel. And the Lord has a word for you. Number one, if you're part of Victory Outreach, you stay connected to this vine. Because the favor and the blessing that's on you under this covering is not going to follow you in rebellion when you go out the door. You stay connected. And you'll stay under the favor. Israelites knew when that cloud lifted up, they packed their stuff and started moving and following the cloud. That was not just the glory of God. It was His protection too. And you want to be under the covering of a ministry like Victory Outreach. I'm saying this with my whole heart. As a friend of the outreach for years. There is a special favor. And as I go to different outreaches and minister. There's a a special favor. It's a window of favor. That is over the the Victory Outreach Ministries right now. To take nations. To establish airports. And I'm talking about spiritual airports. where, Where ministries can... In and and be launched out, and those are going to be placed all over the world, and it's happening. I'm so excited to see it. That favor, even through COVID, Alcance Victoria, Brooklyn got their building, Denver got their building. Pastor Joel in Fresno, a friend of mine, just got his building. Alcance Victoria in Fresno just got their building. And a bunch more. That's a favor of God. He has breathed favor on those that have committed to win the world through this ministry. So stay connected. And here's something that the Lord is saying to you: a word of wisdom is still in operation. Your long-term vision will keep you from stumbling over the short-term obstacles that the devil's gonna put in the wake. Keep your vision clear. Keep it before you. Another word of wisdom for somebody. This one is the word momentum. A train can't be stopped because it has momentum. It will go through a six foot wide concrete wall because it has momentum. But if it is stopped, A one-inch piece of wood under one of the wheels will keep it from moving. You ever wonder why churches, any little thing becomes a big issue and things don't get going? And why do ministries like Victory Outreach keep going, busting down obstacles, failures, things that people throw against it, and it keeps right on going? Because you have momentum. Keep the momentum by prayer, fasting, evangelizing and the testimonies of what God is doing. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You keep sharing what God has done for you, that's your story. You can, somebody can fight doctrine with you, but how do they fight your story? I was blind, but now I see. I was addicted, now I'm free. I was a mess and God made something out of me. That keeps momentum going. Keep going right through some of those heavy obstacles. This is a day of miracles for some. And some of you came already expecting. I want you to know God's going to meet that. In a few minutes, the gift of faith is going to be in operation. Anything can happen. People get healed. Miracles happen. Stuff you thought you had to live with. You're going to leave this place without it, and that goes for pains, discomforts, tumors, whatever you can believe for. I'm I'm here to agree with you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Sonny and Kim, for the invitation and the hospitality. This truly is a house of miracles, and I'm 57 years, good Lord. I was blessed and honored that Pastor Sonny Sr., back when St. Louis, and even on We had a two-week revival on Gless Street. Oh, my gosh. It was two weeks back then. And and, uh, the Latinos were there. I was a preacher each night. I was a teenager preaching. And I uh, was so blessed. But look what the Lord has done all these years later. Oh, another wave and a third wave and waves. Jesus said, men do not put new wine in old bottles. It didn't say it's impossible. It says men don't do that. But God does. And here's something about the reason they weren't used. I'm only going to have you stand a little while longer. There's there's still some words God wants to speak to people. And you'd take the wineskin and you'd pour fresh wine in it. And it would stretch it because it was strong. And it would take a certain shape. Maybe a blip this way, a little tumor-looking thing this way, would take a certain shape. And it would keep that shape while you poured out and served. And when it was empty, it kept that stretched shape. You put new wine in it, and the new wine so strong, it wants to stretch it to a shape, and then it breaks it. What you had to do with those, men didn't do it. But here's what you can do to use them again. You take that empty, already with its shape, bottle, uh, wineskin, You drench it in olive oil. And it goes back to its original zero shape. And then when you dry it out, you can put new wine, which is a type of revival, something new, a new wave that the Holy Spirit is doing. You can put it in there. It takes a new shape. I know I don't look it, but I'm old enough to remember the end of the Jesus movement. At the beginning of, of hippies, don't pick up that hippie on uh, hitchhiking. He's bare feet. No, don't pick him up. He's a hippie. By the end of that, they were saying, don't pick up that hitchhiker. He's a Jesus freak. Because they actually got that job done. I was there for the charismatic revival. I was being invited and preaching in, even in Catholic churches. Speaking in tongues. And, of course, the Pentecostals, that's not of God. Why not? Because uh, they were makeup. Or some silly thing like that. And God broke all the religious and went there. Now God is doing something so different again. And, and there were always churches that said, that hippie thing, Jesus movement, it destroyed our church. Yeah, because your church was a wineskin that already had a form that left out anything new that God wanted to do. And, and, and yes, the charismatic destroyed our church. Yeah, because you had a shape that excluded... What God wanted to do. But when you drench in the Holy Spirit, God takes you back to zero. And when you're back at zero, now instead of saying, God, here's my ministry. Would thou blesseth it, please? You say, God, what are you doing now? We don't have to change the message to change the method. What are you doing now, God? I want to be part of that. I want to be at the front line of that. Back to zero. Give me the shape that you need for this season. Develop in me the heart and the gifts needed for the job that's before me. Don't be afraid to be different, not just for the sake of being different, the Lord says, but because a God that never changes his nature or his personality is always changing his method of reaching us. No wonder Paul said, I am become all things to all men, that by all means I may save some. We run a Christian network, and and somebody said, Latina, she said, I don't like all that Christian rock and roll pastor that your channel plays. It's not of God. Well, what kind of God? The good anointed kind. Well, what, what kind is that? Ranchero with the accordion, you know? I'm glad there's rock. I'm glad there's ranchero. I'm glad there's rappers. These are just methods. Stay flexible in the hand of the Lord. Lift your hand and say, Lord, I'm here. Make me what you want me to be. I will be flexible in your hands, Lord. Fill me with the new wine, what you're going to do now. Tell somebody next to you before you're seated, God's going to speak to you today. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. All right. And I sure want to thank you. you guys are so anointed. You know, um, we love to be here and part of the worship service. It. I'm going to talk to you today in Psalm 137. I stopped looking for sermons in the Bible maybe 20 years ago. I used to look like everybody. You look for sermons, until the Lord told me. Uh, uh, you know, I learned about the. Bible being milk and being meat and being manna, different kinds, but it feeds us. And he showed me a, f- a formula for babies. And there's some good formula. I mean, if you have to use it, babies use formula. It's good. And there's good formula preaching too. But they all agree that nothing's better than breast milk for a baby. And you know, years go by, and I mean, a oh, year, two years. You you know, they start eating solid food, they get their teeth, and so on. We went through that process with our precious daughter. But when someone gives you breast milk, it's been through their body already and processed. And and there's one thing you can't lay hands on and impart that's experience. And 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 that comes through. Uh, taking the word inside of you and it works on you and then you share it with others. And for the last year, the Lord has been giving me this message and it's never the same but I believe it's a timely word. If you ever hear a sermon from, especially from two different people that's the same, it's not a copy of sermon. It's God hitting the nail more than once to dig it into us. With a hammer. You don't hit once. It's got to go in. And Psalm 137 says, We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For they that carried us away required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Now this was their answer. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I think that's how they were saying it. Because God's people were captive. They had just lost an important battle. They were defeated. I know some of them were angry at God for letting them lose that battle. Some were depressed, sad, feeling worthless, discouraged, and helpless. And then it describes it that as a strange land. We're in a strange land. I like that. Can I tell you why it was a strange land? Because they were a winning team. They had never lost before. Every battle up to that time, they had won. In their immediate memory and those who were there, they, they didn't know what it was like to lose. They had never had shackles around their feet. And so they said, how can we sing? We're in a strange land. I want you to know that if you are a believer, you have surrendered your life to Christ. If you are defeated, addicted, and chained up, you are in a strange land. That's not where God wants you to live. That's not what he has prepared for you. It's strange to live as a believer in that land. And they knew it. But 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, says this. It says, Now thanks be to God, which always, somebody say always, always. causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Always causeth us to triumph. Somebody will tell you, no, it's God's will that you win some, and then you're going to lose some. You know that may be someone's experience, and God can certainly use your losses, but that doesn't mean He created those losses. He's not the one who burned down the building; He's the one who set the fire escape there so you can get out of that burning, burning building. Do you know? Do you understand that? So, so when it says always causes you to triumph, sometimes the battle you fight and the victory you win doesn't look like a victory to you until later on the dust settles and you see the fingerprints of God all over that thing you were saying that was the worst that could happen now you're saying man that was the best thing that could ever have happened to me that made me trust God that exercised my faith that drawn me closer to him you're in a strange land you're going to experience loss. You're going to experience hurt and pain. Your faith will be tested, like the disciples' test of faith happened before Jesus multiplied the bread and fish. <clears throat> he tested their their uh, their faith. You're going to experience at some point what you think was a failure. Even though if you learn something from it, it wasn't a failure. It was an expensive lesson. We land on our bottom and say, oh, God, I'm not going to do that again. So if you learn something, it wasn't a failure. He will always cause you to triumph. Uncertainty, depression, bondage, that's not where you're going to be. You may be in the thick of it, but two real quick examples. Joseph in the Old Testament when he was in prison because his own brothers didn't believe his dream. In fact, they hated him for it. Be careful who you tell what God is calling you to do. You tell the right people. You tell those who are above you, those who can help you, those who believe in you. He gave him a dream and they didn't believe it and they sold him. He ended up falsely accused in prison. And when he's in there, in the middle of prison, no matter where they put somebody who has the favor of God, he's going to be blessed. Immediately they, they made him the, the head huncho in the prison. If you work in a dumpster, they'll make you the head huncho of that dumpster. And, and he's got the keys now, and he's, he's managing the other prisoners operating his gift. And then two guys are thrown in there too. But uh, we'll talk about them later, but when he's in there... I would love to be able to tell him, Nijo, listen, you're going to be all right. Because where you are is not where you'll be. This is not your destination. We say stuff like, look where I ended up. You still have breath in you. You have not ended up yet. God is not finished with you. Your story is not over. The credits aren't rolling. It's not the end of your movie. Look what the Lord did with him. Or Peter, who started out well. And then in the middle of his walking, people emphasize so much, he sank, he sank, he sank. Took his eyes off Jesus. Yeah, 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 but that's not the real heavy part of the story. The fact that he took his eyes off Jesus, he started out well. Some people start out well. And all of a sudden, they're sinking again. But he did the right thing. Cried out to the Lord. It said he walked To the Lord, that's more than the other 11 scaredy cats that knees are knocking on the boat saying, he's going to die, he's going to die. And he deserves it. Trying something different like that. Nobody's ever done that. And he walked to Jesus, but when Jesus pulled him out, it says literally in Matthew 14 that then he walked with Jesus back to the boat. Not only did God restore him, but he walked with him. That was a victory. It didn't look like a victory when he was sinking. It didn't look like a victory when he was going ble, 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 get, ble, 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 out of it here I perish. It didn't look like it, but it was. Psalm 34:19 says the righteous person, the just person and when some people get stuck there, well, that's not me because I made a mistake or two in my life. Righteous people are people are not righteous because they're perfect. Heaven is not for perfect people. It's for forgiven people. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you're accepting the righteousness of God. Someone has already paid for your sin. You're righteous as a gift of God. It says, the righteous person may have many troubles. Listen, those who are having trouble in your family or with your finances or with some court case. But the Lord, somebody say, but the Lord (laughs) delivers him from them all. There's that word all again. Part of the word always causes you to triumph. All. He'll deliver you from them all. Now, let's get back to what we read. The enemy was asking them to sing. We put chains on your feet. We bound you up. Now sing for us. What are the songs of Zion? Zion. You know what the enemy says to you after he hits you with depression? After some major attack in your home or your body or your family? He looks at you and says, where's the joy of the Lord now? Let's see you hallelujah now. And you're trying to remember what was that scripture, Pastor Sunny said the other day. I can't even remember that. I'm supposed to recite it when I feel like that. You can't remember a thing. It feels like it's been forever, even though it hasn't been. feels like it's going to last forever. That means you're right in the middle of that attack when it feels like that. You're in captivity. And they said, I don't know how to sing when I messed up like this. Now, it was a genuine request to ask them to sing a song of Zion because uh, those people can sing. One year, of the many that we've gone to Brooklyn, New York, and ministered at Alcance Victoria there with Pastor Eddie and that awesome church, Uh, one of the times, remember, they put us up on the ninth floor of this beautiful hotel in the middle of Brooklyn. And somewhere about midnight, when we went up to our room, we started hearing singing outside. And it, honestly, it sounded like a Spanish Pentecostal church, you know, toda la noche sin parar. It sounded like that. You know? And I went out to the balcony and I took this picture, I, I hope you have it up there, and this is what I saw. Thousands of Hebrew men on a closed main street dancing, and they all looked like Father Abraham. I wanted to sing, Father Abraham had many sons, you know. And they sang and they danced songs of Zion. It was uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And they closed that street. And they sing and they dance all night. I was so freaked out by this. Seriously, I, I, in fact, I have videos of it. You go to my YouTube channel. Put my name in, you'll see a video called Contando Estrellas in Spanish, Counting Stars. And, and I use footage from there, but I, I, I hid it. I, I, I didn't want to offend anybody, so I hid camera like this, and I went down there. I said, honey, I'm going to get a close-up of this. <laughs> Even though the best shots were from our terrace up there. I said, I'm gonna, And I went down there, and an Abraham-looking man came up to me and said, do you know what we celebrate? Yes, the Feast of Tabernacles. God took care of you guys 40 years in the desert, and you lived in tents. And they actually pitched tents along the sidewalk. I mean, they're professional people, but they they lived there during those days of holiday. And I asked if I could take shots. He says, we want everyone to know. And so the next night it happened again. And by the third night, I was ready to say, okay, Lord, (laughs) let's disperse something. I mean, it's wonderful the first day, the second day, the third day. Three in the morning, they're still singing and dancing. Five in the morning, they're still singing and dancing. I wasn't as excited by the end of the week as I was at the beginning of it. But they know how to sing and they do it in turns. Another batch, the ladies don't dance with the men. They're outside cheering them on and so are their children and they're in there thanking God for his protection in those tabernacles in the wilderness over 40 years. So this is what the enemy was telling them. Let's see you sing. Do that happy dance that you do. Come on. I have chains on my feet. I hung up my heart because I can't do that right now. This is feel defeat doesn't feel right for me. That's a good thing. But sing. And you know what he tells you? He tells you, "Where's your joy? Where's your faith?" Now that the doctor uses the word incurable or that your own attorney says, you lost this one. And then he starts poking at you and say, where's the joy of the Lord? But I have to believe that some of those that were saying sing for us were people who really needed to hear the song of the Lord. There has to be people in your family, in your neighborhood, where you work, where you serve, that are saying, can you show us something we haven't seen? Praying for someone who's sick when your own body is afflicted. Giving and serving when you're broke. Helping when you yourself need help. I believe some of them were saying what some are saying to you. Show me Jesus. Show me joy of the Lord. Show me that you're different. Even though you're captive. Even though you're hurting. <clears throat> Show me. So they hung up their harps. I mean, seriously, on willow trees. <laughs> that is the saddest looking tree. Literally, everything hangs down. That's why they're in spooky movies and, and even spooky animated stuff. It's always the willow tree that's... You know, everything hangs down. That's where they hung up their harp. It was hanging down. You know what? I see people like that. Everything hangs down. How are you? Well, I'm fine, you know, under the circumstances. And there's some people who will gladly tell you everything. Sit down. I don't have time. I do. They start with this story and you can almost hear the violins in the background. Sad. And then at work. And then at home. And then my kids, they're demons. And then... Yeah. Hebrews 12:12 says, lift up the hands that hang down. We don't have to stay in defeat. We don't have to be hurting we don't have to be depressed I'm glad they hung up their harps because some of us throw our harps away they knew it was going to be temporary they knew they were going to have to use them again not us some of us oh no I give up I quit I quit on my family, I quit on my marriage, I I quit on the church, I I quit on my education, I quit on this business, it didn't happen as fast as I wanted to happen. They just couldn't sing and praise, you don't know what I'm going through. One man told me, I haven't been in church, I know. I saw him in the the public once and he said, I I said, why? Because I had too many problems. Okay, six months without church, so all your problems are solved now, right? No, actually they're worse. Now, I say this with all respect, but it takes a special kind of stupid (laughs) to stay away from the solution, you know? I'm too hungry to go to the restaurant. I'm too sick to go to the hospital. I'm too messed up to go to church. You want a hospital. You need help. And that's what we... Shouldn't run away from, I can't pray, I certainly can't sing, I can't be grateful. This is amazing, because that's when you should do it the most. Yeah. The devil doesn't say, oh, poor thing, I discouraged him so bad that he's not praising God no more. He doesn't do that. That's exactly what he wants, to distract you, and after distraction comes discouragement. He doesn't just come at you with a sword. He comes with a fiery dart. They're little things. One of them won't kill you, but it says darts, fiery darts, plural. He throws many at you with the goal of weakening you. Once you're weak, then he comes in for the kill. So there was once an army that defeated their enemy by singing praises. Praises like we heard here today, when there's worship and praise, it is so powerful that this king who heard that over the sea were coming different, different armies to destroy them, instead of panicking, he prayed. Instead of feeling defeated, he gathered people together and agreed with him in prayer. And then he said, let's get the army together. The guys with the swords and the cannons, no, put them in the back. Who's in the front? The singers. Now, in the natural, I'm thinking, why would he put the singers up in the front of the battle, the most difficult part? The most dangerous part. I mean, how bad were the singers that. <laughs> That's what my carnal mind would say. Put him in the front of the battle. The one that hits the wrong. Put him up there, yeah. But it wasn't that at all. He put them in the front <clears throat> because there is nothing stronger to deafen that enemy, to blind him, than when you lift praises to God. The singers were singing, <coughs> praising God. And you know what he told them? Sing about the mercies of God, Second Chronicles chapter 20. He said, he didn't say sing about the battle. He didn't say, sing about how bad you've had it, because some of us can sing that song real well. They sing it all day long. I've had it so bad. Oh, and it's getting worse. Incurable, impossible. We sing about how bad we've had it, how life has been especially unjust and unfair to us. We sing a song of defeat. No, the king said sing about the mercy of God. Nothing to do with the battle. Sing about the mercy of God. When you sing about God's mercy, it envelopes everything you're going through down here. It puts your focus where it should be on God's mercy. He is so merciful that he already decided you're going to come out of it well. That sickness will be gone from your body your body will be healed your mind will be restored your life will be renewed when you focus on his mercy now sing it out you know why the devil may not be able to maybe you can't outsmart him because you can't see his next trick or what he's got up his sleeve unless you ask God for discernment to show it to you if you don't know but you can always outpraise him Bothers him because your praises invite the presence of God, and he cannot stand God's presence. He will not be where God's presence is. Now, when you sing of God's mercies like they do, the devil wants you to hang up your harp, and there's a reason. Because uh, remember, 1 Samuel 16, where Saul would go through crazy spells. I don't know if he was bipolar or had a demon that would only pop up every once in a while. But he'd go crazy, nuts, the Bible says. And the only thing that would calm him down was David with his harp. And, and, And it would make the demon that was rising up in him calm down. That's why the enemy wants you to not play your harp. Because when you're in your element playing your harp, whatever you're good at, gifted at, God, prepared that. It makes the enemy so mad because you're living your purpose, your destiny, you're playing your harp. And I don't know what your harp is. If it's acting, if it's singing, if it's writing, if it's ministry, whatever your harp is, whatever God has called you to do and to be, that makes the enemy flee. He was so anointed. He sang praises with it. And that's, the praise that makes the enemy flee. And, and I've had people say, you know, but uh, you know, Brother Roy, I, I, I don't have a good voice. Okay, I wish I had a good voice like some of these precious singers up here. I, I don't. When I sing, everybody leaves. My wife, my children, the cucarachas, they all go. That's right, let them all leave and the cucarachas too. But you know who also flees? Your enemy flees. You open your mouth and sing with your heart, your enemy flees. And that's why he says, hang up your harp. don't do anything because it hurts me, it upsets me. You can't be happy after what just happened. You can't praise God after the loss you just suffered. Someone you loved died and God could have prevented it. He could have prevented that loss of money in that business you invested in. And then then you lose your sight of what you, you... I just can't muster up the strength or desire to sing the songs of Zion. Paul and Silas did it at midnight, the Bible says. In prison at midnight. Do you know why it uses, it doesn't have to tell us what time. The Bible could have said between 10 p.m. and 2 in the morning, and we all would have been fine with that. I would have. But it says at midnight they opened their mouth and sang. There's a reason for that. Midnight is the darkest part of the night. One minute after, the morning begins. So it says they did it at midnight. That literally means when you're in the thick, in the middle of the worst, darkest moment in your life, open your mouth and praise Him, not because you've had a good day or a good week. You praise Him because He is worthy to be praised. If you're sitting on a golden throne or in a toilet bowl, He's still worthy to be praised. That's why we do it. And there's power in that. Some of you are going to be healed just doing that, because the Bible says that the prison shook at the very foundation, and they were set free when they began to praise God. Oh, prison is not an easy place. We have a lot of prisoners that watch our Ventana TV network. We get letters from them; they're precious, and we love them. But prison in, in, in that time was it was even worse. At least now they have TVs with antenna and can watch our broadcast in different cities. But back then, they were in mid- at midnight singing, and the other prisoners heard him. Now, when it shook to set him free, it says it shook from the foundation. The foundation. It doesn't have to tell us that. But why did it start at the foundation and not the ceiling or the walls? Because when God's setting you free, he gets to the root, the foundation of your problem. That's what begins to shake. He doesn't deal with the symptoms, he gets right to the root of it. And the shakening begins. And he set not only them free, we read and said, yeah, their prison was free. It says that all the prisoners were set free. Not just them, the ones who deserve to be there too. That means that whatever God is doing in your life, how he's setting you free, every prisoner around you at home, at work, family, their prison door is going to be open because of the miracle God is doing in your life. Somebody say, I'm ready for that, Lord. I am ready for that. The other prisoners heard them. So I want you to pick up your harp, your harp, your harp. You better pick it up and tune it up. Because some of you have put things away that God is ready to use. I always tell young people, use, learn everything you can. Everything electronic, everything musical, you learn every. The more you learn, the more you have to bring to the altar and say, use this or use that. I can work with kids. I can work with teenagers. I can have these gifts. You bring them all and God says, now you're going to have a season of this. Now you're going to have a season of that. And don't get upset if it's not the season you like. He'll get to that one. You be faithful over little, God will place you over much. That's his formula. I'm sure when David was learning the anointed harp out playing for the sheep, he was back there going, bling, 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 Oh Lord, is my shepherd. And when he finished, he'd take a bow, and instead of applause, he'd hear, BANG. I know he said more than once, There's gonna be more than this. I was not raised or prepared or mentored for this. I feel greatness, and they anointed me. I'm gonna be king, and here I am singing for these sheep. I would say, David, that's not your destiny or your destination. That's your schooling. You be faithful over those sheep, and God will place you over all of the sheep of Israel. That was his schooling and his preparation. Somebody say, that's mine too, Lord. And I got to finish with this because I'm feeling the Holy Spirit's getting ready to take some of you into an amazing healing right now. But some of this stuff is rooted in some of what God is speaking to us. When Joseph was in the prison, and they put two other prisoners there who worked for the king. Now, he's in the middle of his attack. And, and it all started with him telling his dream and, you know, being able to interpret dreams. And these two prisoners say, oh, Joseph, we had a dream. Can you explain it to us? Now, some of us would say, "Ah, oh, no. Don't you talk to me about dreams anymore. I've had it with dreams. Dreams are the reason I'm in here. So no, I'm not going to interpret your dream. Hello? Your gift can be your biggest blessing. Or it can be your biggest break. Put on the brakes. He would have said, like some of us, no. uh Uh-uh, I had a bad experience, so... Never. Uh, don't, don't talk to me about dreams. What did he do when he was unjustly accused and in prison? He, tra- he uh, interpreted their dreams. You operate in your gift. No matter what you're going through. No matter what's happening in your life. If there's an opportunity to continue giving, serving, you continue giving, serving that flow of the Holy Spirit that comes out of you to minister to others will also heal you on the inside from some of what you've been going through. Pick up your harp and get ready to play it. Play it all over the world. Play it that others can hear, that others will say what they said of Paul and Silas, who's singing? And they put some of those crazy Christians in there and they're singing at midnight. Why are they so happy? Don't they know you're supposed to suffer in here? Whether their cell have carpet and air conditioning or what? It was a worse one. But they sang with all their heart maybe you can't change your situation, but your heart can be changed. And God will change things from the inside out. There's somebody right now ready to receive a miracle. I want you to close your eyes, everyone. Bow your head. I know that the word has spoken to somebody. But some were already ready. And the gift of faith is going to operate in your life today. How do you know that the gift of faith is in operation? Here's the short version. Because what you thought was impossible, you will begin to believe it possible. When you start seeing something you thought you had to live with, as healable, curable, or that God can change it, that's the gift of faith. You don't need a lot of that. Some of you are experiencing that right now. You mean I can be without diabetes? You mean God can give me a new liver? You mean that body can be healed, my depression can be gone? Yeah. When you start seeing that, that's the gift of faith. In fact, somebody's being healed over here right now in this area. And... And I'm going to ask you right now, everyone, stand to your feet, please. I want you to lift your hands and let the gift of faith rise up inside of you. Let, just let it rise up inside of you. Let it rise up. But I promised God over 50 years ago when we began preaching that I wasn't going to let one opportunity go by without letting men and women who need to connect with God or reconnect with Him. You've allowed stuff to come between you and Him. Some never have surrendered their life to Christ. That's the first step. And I'm going to ask you if you need to do that this morning, connect or reconnect with Him. You're a smart person. You're in the right place. I want you to come out of your seat. Stand up in this area. I'm going to pray a prayer that can change everything in your life from the inside out. And if you're sick in your body... That's the second prayer I'm going to pray and invitation I'm going to make. But some of you are already being healed right there. There's someone that had pain in their whole right side and it was going numb and this fear of paralysis is in your heart and the Lord is healing you right now. You're being healed. Wherever you are, whoever you are, just lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for my healing. Don't ask him, say thank you. But those who are coming to connect or reconnect with God... Make your way up here. Somebody watching at home needs to do this too. God bless you for staying tuned in. This is a moment. We're going to give a time so those who can come can come. Lead us in something as we take a few moments. Get out of your seat. If you feel a tug in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit saying it's time. Just come. I want you to repeat this prayer and say it with all of your heart. Anybody at home watching or wherever you're connected with, you can do that too right now. If someone didn't want to come forward, but you're still answering this call of God in your heart, you repeat it right where you are too. Everything could change from the inside out, but that's where change really happens. Simple prayer, you receive what God has already given you and You have benefits, not because we deserve them, because of what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. So I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father, I come to you with an open heart. Everyone has sinned, and so have I. Forgive me, Lord. I surrender to you all of my sin so you can forgive me. And I give you all of my talents so that you can use me. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. Thank you for receiving me in your family. Lift your hands a moment and just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray these messages build, encourage, and strengthen you in your faith. If you would like to partner with us, the Mother Church is a great place to sow a seed. So head on over to our website at viochino.org and click the giving link located at the top of the page. Also, we would love to hear from you. So leave us a praise report, prayer request, or if you've given your life to the Lord, let us know by filling out the salvation card. We would love to connect with you and help you get started on your journey of serving God here at Victory Outreach Chino.